Hey, I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. So, this time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for web designer Katie Carlisle. And so I rang them back and said, do you take credit card payments? <laughs> and they said, well, not usually, but I suppose we could. And uh, so basically maxed out my credit card to have this stand in the Excel centre and also a speaking slot as well. So that was really a big push in terms of raising the awareness about me. I sat at home and after about six months I just went a bit mad and was like, I need to talk to people, I need to interact with people. So then I had the idea of doing a pop-up co-working session in a coffee shop. Eventually the word got out and people started coming along. People wanted company and to come and meet other people and other freelancers. So there is Katie, who is specifically a Squarespace website creator. And we're yeah hearing from her today. Uh, don't forget, beingfreelance.com is where you will find links through to everything that each guest is up to. And I haven't said this for a while, but it's really nice if you've enjoyed an episode where if you reach out to that person on Twitter... Uh, because otherwise they have no idea that you know like lots of them are kind of like scared about coming on or whatever and uh, even though you might not guess it uh, a little unsure and if you've enjoyed it and you reach out to them and, and tell them then I, I just think that's really nice so anyway each guest has all of their web links and their twitter or instagram or whatever it might be at beingfreelance.com where of course you can also find all of the 101 guests over 100 now and of course, you find them on the likes of iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any. And if you don't know or you haven't seen it yet, I do the vlog as well, which isn't a guest, but it's me documenting my freelance journey in quotation marks. So you can check that out as well. They'll really appreciate that. Hit subscribe on YouTube as well. Anyway, let's crack on and say hello to freelance web designer Katie Carlisle. Hey, Katie. Hello, Steve. Where are you? Be Is it Manchester you're based? Just outside Manchester in the Peak District. So I've got a... <gasps> Kind of nice house in the country, but with a direct line to civilization on the train when I need it. Oh, the Peak District is beautiful. It's amazing. And you're actually, because as we record this, we are having that rare moment of British summer. Uh, I've come in and shut all the windows, but you were sitting outside in your garden as well as you I should. Am. I am living the freelance dream. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so in fact, so on reflection, I could, I should probably, I, it, I might as well have done anyway, because we'll probably be able to hear birds singing and all sorts from your room. So, <laughs> never mind. Okay, yes, well, I think. we're starting now. So let's um, hear about how you got started being freelance. Sure. Um, so after what would be generously described as a portfolio career, uh, I found myself working for a charity with a focus on sustainability, which is something I'm really interested in. And I was there for a few years and it was great. It was run very much like a startup. So it was actually great in terms of giving me some business experience of how to run things in a sort of lean startup way and be quite dynamic. But one of the things that I realized was actually a lot of the time, very small businesses and charities don't have a clue what they're doing when it comes to technology and they can very easily be missold or just buy the wrong kinds of tools and services for them because they don't know any better so we were we were a small business a lot of us worked remotely we to send an invoice we had to go into the office and open a specific computer that had the license for the accounting <laughs> software on it so it was things like that really frustrated me and so I said to my boss could I just have more of a focus on streamlining some of our systems and that included looking at the websites 
and I didn't have a particularly formal background in web development or anything like that, but I've always, but it's always, computer stuff's always just kind of made sense to me. So I started looking at that and started looking at lots of different tools that were available um, and became a kind of go-to person really. So someone say, oh, I want to be able to do this online. You know, do you know of any useful bits of software that can help me to do that? And I go, oh yeah, you should try this one or this one. So when I first started as a freelancer and I kind of took the decision, my boss kind of ends up shooting herself in the foot slightly where I used to work because she is really amazing at kind of empowering people to do what they want to do and inspiring them to the extent that everyone then becomes so inspired they set up their own businesses and leave. So, <laughs> so I did the same thing and so a couple of my colleagues had just gone freelance themselves. She, my boss, old boss had her own business and I just thought I want some of that, it looks amazing. And I just, I just think it was just the right time for me and so I decided to go freelance. And my original business model was going to be going into other charities that couldn't afford to pay somebody full time to help them support their tools, you know, upload blog posts, add new emails on when it was a new starter, generally support them, but also give them the sort of consultation to, to identify where they could maybe save some money and find tools or systems that would be a bit more suited to them. So that was the plan. And before I got to that point, I thought I should probably make my own website to advertise my services. So I'd come across this tool called Squarespace, which is a website building tool. And I'd always been meaning to try it out. So I thought, oh, this is the perfect chance for me to have a go at using this new website tool. So I used it to create my website and just fell in love with it. And it was so much easier to use than any other website tools I'd used in the past. It was really nice to make sort of just really nice to use it from a kind of user perspective, not just the end result being nice. Um, anyone that's ever used WordPress knows that you can do loads of stuff with it, but the actual kind of admin and user experience from the back end isn't what you'd call beautiful. Um, <laughs> what Squarespace is, and I know Steve, you use Squarespace for yeah. your sites, don't you? So uh, you, you'll get what I'm talking about. And so I, I kind of started being quite evangelical about this tool and telling people about it. And then a couple of my colleagues, like I mentioned, had gone freelance and they said to me, oh, well, would you be interested in making my website on this tool for me? You've made yours, it looks great, can you make one for me? And then her husband needed one for his own business and all of a sudden people were paying me to make websites for them and I was like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I'm loving doing this and people are giving me money, so I guess that's what I do now. <laughs> so, so I kind of fell into it a little bit. I, I stumbled into being a Squarespace sort of web developer but I just thought, let's let's see if this has got legs, you know, rather than trying to market myself for, for another service that I'm not even convinced that it would, you know, the, there is definitely demand for. Let's stick with this one that there is demand for. And so I basically committed fully to, to doing that as a freelancer. So when was that? That was in 2013 uh, I started. Uh, very early 2014 was when I probably really kind of wrapped it up because I did quite a long notice period at my old um, old company that I worked for before starting. Uh, so I was sort of doing things in the background whilst I was working for three months, but it was from early 2014 that I really kind of started going out there and getting clients and stuff. So when it came to that point where you wanted to ramp it up, as you say, what, what did you do? <laughs> well, for about a month or two, I just sort of spent all my time working on the clients that I had so they had amazing websites but then I realized yeah I'm going to need to do more about this and so I decided 
that I needed to do something to kind of force myself to take it seriously and to make sure that I didn't just kind of let it peter out and lose momentum. And so I found this uh, conference in London called the Business Startups Show. It's in Excel in London every year. Massive, massive events in the Excel Centre. And I contacted them to ask if they wanted any speakers. And they said, oh, well, yeah, we are still looking for some speakers, but you need to have a stand in order to be a speaker. And I said, oh, well, I can't really afford one. Thanks, but no thanks. And then I put the phone down and went and thought about it. And I thought, Do you know what? Actually, that would be a perfect way to kickstart me as a, you know, kind of validate myself, test the idea, have a chance to speak to loads of startups that I'm not really going to get any other time to actually do market research. And so I rang them back and said, do you take credit card payments? <laughs> and they said, oh, not usually, but I suppose we could. And they said, can I pay in installments? And they said, oh, not usually, but I suppose we could. And so I ended up getting an agreement where I could put down a deposit for it on my credit card and then pay the balance after the show still on my credit card. Uh, so basically maxed out my credit card to have this stand in the Excel center and also a speaking slot as well. So that was really a big push wow. in terms of raising the awareness about me. So, and so, so that was in 2014? That was in 2014, yeah. Do you mind if I ask how much that was? Uh, it was three, just under £3,000 for a stand. <sighs> so it wasn't a small amount. No, this and is what I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah uh, that was a very negotiated rate as well. Um, I, I, did, I sort of played the, I'm a small business and you want to show that you're supporting them card. Uh, sub story. So, uh, so yeah, it, it wasn't a small amount. It did end up paying for itself in the end. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so how how did it go? It, it went brilliantly, um, better than I could ever have expected. But it was so funny because I, despite having worked in the event industry, I just thought I spent my money now. I've got the stand. Didn't think about like having anything in it, like furniture or any details like that. So. Then I realised that I needed to spend more money and the, the furniture hire that you could get was really expensive for if you got it through their kind of contacts. So I thought, oh, I'll source my own. And I ended up finding this company that does flat pack cardboard furniture. Um, and because of my sustainability background, I thought, oh, great. So actually, if, even if I never use it again, I can just recycle it. And so normally what they do is they brand it for you and then they send it direct to the venue. And I understand why now. But me being cheap said, could you just send me the basic furniture and I'll brand it myself? So they posted it out to me. And then the days before the event, I got a can of black spray paint from my local craft store <laughs> and cut myself some stencils that I'd made from tracing over my computer screen and was spray painting the words websites, woo, yeah, along with my logo and my website address onto this cardboard furniture, <laughs> which I then proceeded to take down on the train, much to the consternation of Virgin Train staff, and then got a taxi over to the venue and was setting it up surrounded by this sea of corporate professionalism. And there's me with my spray painted cardboard stand. <laughs> so I did have a little moment where I thought, oh no, what have I done? But actually, once the show started, the people I wanted to work with really gravitated towards me because it was so different. Yeah. And, mm. and it was, you know, I had like kind of middle-aged men in suits kind of walking past testing at me. But actually that wasn't my target audience. I wanted to work with cool little startups and interesting groups of people and things. So 
um, yeah, it went really well and met loads of really interesting people, got business from it. it. So it paid for itself, but not really quickly enough is what I'd say about that. In that I got the money back, but the nature of making websites means that it can take a while. So actually I was having to kind of scrabble around to pay that off before my the income from those specific clients came through. So that was a bit of a lesson for me in terms of the money side of things. Wow. Hats off to you. That takes balls. <laughs> <laughs> and my speaking slot was standing room only as well, so I was really happy. And had you done much speaking before? Yeah, yeah. I'd done quite a lot in my previous job. I used to... Um, oh, I've just, I'm just... I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to change one of my... <laughs> facts. I'm just, I'm just about to tell you something that's pertinent to one of my facts later. Um, but that's fine. I have a backup fact. So I used to be a teacher. Um, and so I'm, I'm okay. kind of standing in front of a group of people who don't want to listen to you means that actually standing in front of a group of people who've actually opted in to coming to see you is a piece of cake. <laughs> that's a great way of looking at it. Uh, but wow. yeah, I've done a lot of it in my, in my, in my kind of life, done a lot of trading speaking, so that that doesn't phase me at all. So I guess at that uh, Excel event, and I, I've been, uh, we filmed something at the Excel a few years ago, and it like it is huge. It's, it's massive, immense. yeah. So, uh, so I, I guess you came away from that with a big stack of business cards. Yeah, lots of lots of potential clients. Some of them kind of panned out, some of them didn't. But also just useful contacts in general. Um, I met the founder of a service called Simple Tax, which is basically like a way to submit your tax return if you're self-employed. But it kind of takes all of the stuff that HMRC asks you for and asks you it in human language that you actually understand. <laughs> and then you just pay like a nominal fee to submit it through them. And honestly, that's like, I, I'm not on commission or anything, but just like, just that alone was worth £3,000 just to be able to do my tax return by that. It's so much nicer. <laughs> so, so that's 2014. So what happens next in, in the way your business evolves? <laughs> Um, so at that stage, I don't think I was particularly focused on Squarespace. It was a sort of, we'll make websites for money placard almost. So I would reluctantly take on other projects that were on WordPress or maybe Shopify for e-commerce stuff. Uh, so I was doing that and I also used people per hour for a little bit, which is the kind of one of the freelancer job portal sites. So I was using that to kind of test out the demand for Squarespace because after about six months, probably about six months after I did the show, I realised that I wasn't really enjoying doing the other projects as much as I was doing Squarespace websites. So the ones that I did on WordPress, I'd always leave till last because I didn't really want to do them. So I thought, no, I think now's the time to focus and just do Squarespace. And then I used people per hour to see if there was people that were asking for Squarespace websites. And there were a few, so I set up quite a targeted search that I got an alert when anybody posted a job saying I need some help with a Squarespace website or I want someone to build a website on Squarespace. Um, and then I only sent proposals when I felt that it was a good fit for the job as well. So apparently at the time, most people that were using that site got one in every 18 proposals they were submitting and I was getting one in every three because I was being so targeted and specific. Mm. So that was a good way of getting some work as well. And what was your experience of, of using people per hour to be honest it was a great way to get started um after a while i found that i was getting enough 
referrals through word of mouth to not need to use that anymore. But for for the for sort of six months to a year that I used it quite kind of vigorously, then it was great. I mean, I I really went for it on that site because they it's one of these ones where they reward you for using it more. And so I actually was in their top 500 sellers worldwide at one point in terms of my ranking because I was just using it really consistently and, and kind of just playing by their rules a bit. So I think they, kind of, they want to help you if you're willing to play by their rules. And I just upped my fee a bit to incorporate the percentage that they take. So for me, it worked well because I wouldn't have been able to reach those people otherwise. And one of the jobs that I got through that has been a really good source of constant referrals for me just through having my link in the footer of the website. So again, it kind of got me access to people that I wouldn't necessarily have met otherwise. Cool. So is, is, is that where we're at today then, that you've, you've evolved from using people per hour, got you up and running, and then referrals and word of mouth? Yeah, so all my clients now are word of mouth. I don't do any marketing or advertising, particularly for my website services. So I do just, I just do Squarespace websites for, for freelancers and for charities or very small businesses. That's my kind of focus at the moment. And then what I'm trying to transition into a little bit more now is actually offering more training and support. So if people want to actually create the website themselves or if they've had a bit of a play around and just want a little bit of coaching on how to use Squarespace, then I can do one-to-one -one sessions or Skype sessions to, to kind of help them with any specific areas or just to do a bit of a, a tidy up of the site if they want to achieve something a bit kind of cleaner. With all that work coming through referrals, have you been, well, it sounds like you haven't, but have you been tempted to go back and do an exhibition, even if it's not like a big Excel one, but a local one or...? Um, I mean, I did a really awful one <laughs> about a year and a half ago. Um, just, just again, I just thought, let's let's see. You know, it was it was free. It was in um, somewhere in North Manchester, and it just wasn't my kind of people. So, I I think I would do another show or an, or an event if it was the right kind of people. So, if it was startups or freelancers that were kind of interesting creative doing kind of fun projects that that's what i'm moving much more towards now and when you when you made that decision to focus on squarespace you did it because that's what you were enjoying but did you yeah. also find it helped your business the the decision to focus was massively helpful so at first it was quite scary turning away work when people would come to me and say can you help with me with me with my wordpress site but as soon as i changed that focus i think that that already helped to bring the clients that I wanted to work with a bit more. Um, and it also meant that if people had already come across Squarespace, they could then find me, somebody who, who was an expert in this, in this tool. And it meant that I didn't have to do a big kind of sales pitch around Squarespace. You know, I didn't have to convince them that that was the right platform. They were coming to me already knowing that that was what they wanted. So the terms are actually the time and the effort of of kind of getting that sale as it were it it made a massive difference because it was attracting people that already knew about it i think the biggest difference it made was i was able to provide such better service to my clients because i was really happy all the time working on squarespace websites whereas i know that i probably let clients down when i was doing the wordpress ones and i probably was you know not not giving them an amazing experience because i wasn't particularly enthusiastic about it whereas as soon as I started doing Squarespace I got loads more referrals 
for the kinds of people I wanted to work with as well because everyone was really happy with the work that I'd done and so they were telling other people about it. Whereas before, I hadn't been getting quite as kind of glowing recommendations, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you don't trade as Katie Carlisle, right? No, so my business name is The Wheel Exists, which is a re- stupid business name. <laughs> but the, the, so the, the name came about when I very first started and I was going to do this focus on tools that can help you to kind of make your life and business easier. So the idea of not reinventing the wheel because there's loads of stuff out there. You don't need to go and necessarily have kind of something custom built for you, especially if you're just starting out. You know, you can use Squarespace is perfect for starting out. You don't need to have a custom coded website that costs you £10,000 when you're first starting. Um, so that was, the, uh, that was the idea behind it. So when everybody understands it, they go, oh, that's a brilliant <laughs> business name. I get it now. But to explain it to someone that doesn't understand it, they're like, the wheel exits? What? What? <laughs> So, yeah, in hindsight, I probably would have chosen a different business name, but it's mine now and I like it. It's so, a talking even point. It's stupid. <laughs> have you been pleased that you went with a business name rather than trading as your name, if you see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that was a really conscious decision on my part because I, e- even before I went freelance, I kind of knew myself and knew that I kind of like shiny new things and like having my fingers in quite a lot of pies and that... I, I knew that the chances of me having side projects was extremely high, and so it has turned out to be. So I didn't want Katie Carlisle, in inverted commas, to just be, oh, the person that does websites. I wanted Katie Carlisle to be somebody who has lots of different projects, the website creation being one of them. And so I wanted me to be the kind of overarching brand, as it were, but that the website bit just be a facet of me and what I offered rather than me being tied into doing that and sort of really associated with that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Now, how about the way you work? Uh, you're sitting in your garden right now. Is is working from home what you do? Or? Uh, yeah, so I work from home probably two or three days a week in general. And then um, some days I'm out and about for client meetings. So I'll go and find a coffee shop or something near where my clients are. It's quite nice to just go and explore places. And I do love working from coffee shops as well. And then on Thursdays and Fridays, um, so every Friday I run a pop-up co-working session in Manchester called Freelance Folk. And so I'm there every Friday in the afternoon with lots of other freelancers so we all bring our computers and we all sit and work together but have a chat so it's kind of channeling that Friday afternoon office vibe and so it's a way to meet people and kind of avoid that isolation that you can sometimes get as a freelancer but also kind of have a framework for starting the conversation so um Okay, a lot of people aren't very confident at networking events myself included even though I'm a really confident speaker I hate going to traditional networking events I just feel like I stand there like a lemon and don't talk to anyone. <laughs> what a great idea. It's a pop-up co-working so space. Pop-up co-working sessions, yeah. So we use, an, we use a community space and we've just started doing them in Sheffield as well. So in Sheffield, we work with a co-working space to help attract new members to them and also get their members talking to each other a bit more. So it's co- co-working and conversation is what we call it for that one. So how how did you literally come, like, was that, I don't know, were you just sitting there all alone one day and thought, I need some, like, how did... Basically, how did, yeah. Because I love it. Tell us more about it. First six months to a year, I sat at home 
thinking it was going to be marvellous. And after about six months, I just went a bit mad and was like, I know, I, I need to talk to people. I need to interact with people. And at the time, none of my friends were freelance. So I didn't really have any peers that I could talk to about being freelance. So I, I thought, OK, I'll go and start working from coffee shops instead. There'll be loads of freelancers there. And there were, um, I think. You know, there's lots of other people on computers sitting next to me, but everybody was very blinkered and focused on what they were doing. And I try and kind of catch their eye and they just give me a weird look like, stop looking at me, lady. And so um, <laughs> and so I was a bit like, OK, so this isn't the right way to meet people either. And so then I start. So then I had the idea of doing a pop up co-working session in a coffee shop to um, basically say, you know, from this time, come and sit at this table if you want to actually talk to people along with your work. But I hadn't really found the right place to do it yet. And then I came across a place that had recently opened in Manchester called Zifferblatt, which is a Russian name. It, it means clock face, I think. And it's a quite a fun concept in that you pay for your time in the space. So it's not a coffee shop. It's more like a community space almost. Um, so they've got like comfy sofas, but they've also got big sort of tables that you can work on. They've got a kitchen so you can... So you pay per minute and then everything else is free. So you've got free tea, coffee, cake, snacks, soup, jacket potatoes, Wi-Fi plug sockets, everything you kind of need just to like live there for a day, I basically. Love, it's such a brilliant concept. Yeah, it was, and as soon as I went in, I was like, this is where it's going to happen. And so I got in touch with their events manager and he was so supportive at helping me get it up and running. Um, so the first... So, so I put I put something together. Um, I used the Meetup platform, which again mm -hmm. was really helpful for spreading the word out with minimal effort. Because at the time, I was I was still having to spend most of my time on client work, so I didn't have loads of spare time. But I just really felt that I needed to do this. So I set it up, and the first few weeks was just me sitting on my own on a Friday afternoon. But eventually, the word got out, and people started coming along. And you know, I realised that yeah, it, the idea really resonated with people, and that people wanted company and to come and meet other people and other freelancers. And then we also got, and I hadn't really expected this, we also got people who were thinking of becoming freelance. They would come down to ask questions to the people who were already freelance. Ah. So it actually became almost a bit of an incubator for for people to to come along and kind of you know meet useful contacts and and kind of get started and a lot of the time actually once people have started and kind of got themselves established and they've got their own networks they don't need to come along as much because they've got their, their own people to kind of interact with but we do have some regulars who've been coming along from the very start which is really nice such a great idea good for you so like so every friday you'll be there yeah. And do you do anything else? Uh, I know you mentioned Sheffield, but like, is there any, have you expanded beyond that? Or is it simply every no, Friday? No, I'd this? like to. I'd like to. Um, so at the moment we do it weekly on the Friday in Manchester in the, in the Northern Quarter, which is like the trendy hipster area. We do monthly in Sheffield, which is the last Thursday of the month. And we're going to do another one. The, the, the place we do it in Manchester, they've just opened another branch in Media City, which is where the BBC is based now in the north. And so we're doing a monthly on the second Thursday of the month there. What I'd really love to do is actually have a bit of a model that people can replicate. So basically have, have that as the overarching brand, freelance folk as the overarching brand. And then people can set up a freelance folk co-working pop-up in their city 
and I provide them with all the resources they need to do that and things. So yeah. um, I really like the idea of it being a model that people can then just replicate in other cities. So yeah. yeah, that's 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 the dream. So yeah, anyone that's listening, if you're interested in running a pop-up co-working place, get in touch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, d- I don't want to scupper the, the idea now, but because I was going to say, like, what would, like, if you were doing it again, like, what would be your learning takeaway point but from from having started it um i think consistency and perseverance probably was really important so it would have been really easy after the first few weeks to just give up and think no this doesn't have legs but i was there every friday and you know like i'd literally rearrange holidays so that i would be there on a friday to make sure that if somebody arrived that there was someone there to meet them and that there was that consistent face and everything. Now I've got more regulars, I can deputise them if, if I need to, if I'm away. So I don't have to be there every Friday now. But I do, if I'm around, I'll always go. It's only if I'm on holiday that I tend to miss it. Brilliant. Um, Love it. So I think it was that. And then just, yeah, just keeping going, keeping spreading the word, using Meetup again, that was so useful. I think what I would do differently would be to try and capture people's details a bit more at the start. So I didn't really have a mailing list when I first started. So if I'd have been getting people signed up to mailing list and getting their Twitter information when they first started coming, I think that would have been better in terms of kind of doing more around community. It's been going for about two and a half years and I'm just just now getting to the point where I'm getting organised with it because it's grown into more than just a little side project. You know, it's actually something that I want to devote time to now. Yeah. rather than it being the slightly unloved sister of The Wheel Exists. <laughs> Brilliant. OK, well, we'll put a link at beingfreelance.com, particularly... Well, who knows? You could be listening to this a year from now. We're recording this <laughs> in the summer of 2017. So you could be listening to this and go check out the website and there might well be all the resources to start your own by now. Amazing, yes. There you are. You've said it Let's now. Let's make it happen, it. yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you're listening to it as it goes out and you're in the sort of Manchester, Sheffield area, then you know get along so how important would you say side projects are to you i mean i love them i'm i have i have a terrible attention span and i like things to be shiny all the time so i have to constantly reinvent my work to make it sort of new and exciting for myself which is awful i love the fact that part of your your the business that you have called yourself (laughs) don't reinvent it I know, I know. <laughs> the irony is not lost on me. Um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, I'm pro-innovation. I'm not, I'm just not pro doing something differently for the sake of it. So, I'm, so I'll, I will innovate with my business rather than just doing it for the sake of it. Yeah, I think it keeps me honest as well, having, having these side projects. So um, I think it's helped my, my website business has been helped by running the freelance group because I've been able to then talk to freelancers and find out what their actual kind of pain points are and what they actually need in terms of websites and I've been able to use that as promotion. Um, I think for me when I've had jobs in the past when it gets easy is when I get bored and so that's what I don't like. You know if I feel too confident and comfortable doing something then it it sort of takes the spark out of it a bit for me so having side projects means that I'm constantly doing something new to challenge myself. You know, with Squarespace, where I feel very confident about now, so it, there would be the risk of me kind of feeling a bit like I'm not growing or developing. Actually, there's always something else to fulfil that need that I have of something to challenge me and, and something to try that I've never done before. 
Wicked. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself. Make two true, one a lie. Let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay, so I'm going to cross out the one that I think would be too obvious now. So my first fact is that I am listed on IMDB, the Internet Movie Database. I have a credit on there. My second fact is that I was born in the Philippines. And my third fact is that I was one of a thousand people that were invited to a garden party with the Queen for her Diamond Jubilee in Manchester in 2012. What? <laughs> These are great. Okay. What's your, what's your IMDb? Like, what, what did you do? Well, I am special thanks. <laughs> it's very important. Really? Uh, my, my boyfriend works for the company that makes the Lego video games. And, and I don't really understand why they're on IMDb, but they are. And so for Lego, I think it's Lego Harry Potter. If if you Google me, don't cheat and Google me now though. But if you look, if you Google me um, and IMDb, I think I come up as a special thanks on Lego Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number two, you were born in the Philippines. Was was your mum just on holiday or was she living there? <laughs> no, we were over there for my dad's work. So he got transferred over. He worked for like a textile manufacturing company doing their finances. And so he got offered a secondment, I guess you'd call it, over there. So yeah, he and my mum moved over there. And we lived just outside of Manila um, in the Philippines. And I lived there until my parents got divorced and me and my mum and my brother came back to the UK. How old were you then? So we came back when I was eight. Wow. Yeah. So you properly remember it? Yeah, if it's bits, true. yeah, bits, bits and pieces. Yeah, like um, I remember being really excited to come back to England because of milk floats. <laughs> true fact. That is, that is no word of a lie, or is it? Ah, <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, <laughs> three of all the things to be excited. I know. <laughs> Number three, you you were invited to the Queen's Garden Party, but you said in Manchester, so so you didn't go to Yeah, it wasn't really Paris. in a garden. It was in, like, a conference centre. <laughs> um, and the Queen was there? And the Queen was there, yeah. I didn't get to, like, shake her hand or anything, but she was there. She was, like, metres away from me so I could see her. And then at the end, um, you got to sit. They, they'd put, they had these, like, like kind of... I'm going to call them thrones, but they weren't really. They were just like really high-backed chairs that she sat on, and then you could go and sit and take a picture on the seat that she'd sat on and stuff. Um, <laughs> well, I think she, she met like the worthy little children, but she didn't meet me. So, hang on. <laughs> once the queen got up and walked away and had left, everybody went and sat in her chair. Yeah, I was sat in the chair and had pictures taken. <laughs> That's so funny. So oh, yeah, no. they were called Manchester Diamonds, and <laughs> so so it was a thousand people that were invited to this. Um, uh, Diamond Jubilee Garden Party is Manchester Diamonds. The facts on all of these and the detail is brilliant. And I have no idea. <laughs> I can't understand why you would make up that thing about the Queen sitting on a chair if that wasn't true. <laughs> Philippines. I mean, why would you pick, why would you make that up? Which makes me think the IMDb one isn't true. But then I kind of also sit there and think, but why would you pick the Lego game 
when you could have said the Lego movie or any movie or anything? Oh, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to say IMDb isn't true. Oh, that is true. <sighs> okay, you weren't born in the Philippines. Correct. Yes. I was oh, born thank- in I was born in Withenshaw, just outside of Manchester. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just so glad the Queen story. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's cool. Um, now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I think it would be to tell myself that it's okay to not do everything the way people say you're supposed to and to go with your gut. So when I first started, like there's so much kind of advice, really well-meaning and really kind of sound advice for a lot of people out there for freelancers. And some of it's conflicting, and but there's, there's certain things which actually quite a lot of people say, and you know, oh, you're supposed to do this, and you ought to do this, and you must do this. And so it's really easy to get swayed by all of that, because you think they're experts, they know what they're doing, to the extent where I think I was ignoring my own instincts and doing what I was supposed to do. And actually, whenever I listened to my gut instinct, it worked out for me. And whenever I did things I was supposed to do, it always felt a bit flat. It didn't quite work out. So... Um, just even things to like, you know, my website was quite boring and corporate almost when I first started and, you know, said like, we do this. And I was like, actually, I don't need to pretend that I'm more than one person. I'm just me. And it doesn't, you know, it can be a bit silly and can be bright and colourful. And, and actually, you know, my brand is all around being friendly, a bit different, you know, not your conventional web developer. And um, I, I wasn't really living that at the beginning and I wasn't really making decisions based on my own values. I was doing it because I was following advice of people that obviously had had successful careers. But actually, I'd go back and say, no, you can do it your way. It's fine. Great. What a nice way to finish. Um, Katie, thank you so much. Check thank out you. beingfreelance.com. There will be links through to Katie's website uh, and, of course, her Twitter and Instagram and things like that. She's not on Snapchat because she's an old person. It's <laughs> You've read my website. It's, I like that. <laughs> I'm Paul not on Jarvis, Snapchat. who is God. I don't know if you follow Paul Jarvis at yeah, all. Yeah. He's my like freelance God. He tweeted me specifically with a screenshot of that bit on my website saying, I just fell in love with your website because of this bit of copy. Wow. Wow. That should have been one of my facts. Well, that that is a great (laughs) fact. Yeah. Man, I love his newsletter. Very, very good. So, yes, check out beingfreelance.com. Links through to all of that. um, A website approved by Paul Jarvis, no less. Exactly. And, (laughs) and like I mentioned, if you're in the Manchester area, Sheffield area, check out Freelance Folk as well, because that sounds awesome. Yeah, please come along. We're very friendly and nice. So beingfreelance.com for everything that she's into and up to. And, of course, while you're there, check out all the guests, beingfreelance.com. And, of course, check out the vlog as well on YouTube. Hit subscribe on that. Go on, be a love. Right, thank you, Katie, and all the best being freelance. Thank you, Steve.